0: Hello there and welcome to the Tech Means Business podcast. This is a series of podcasts in which I bring together individuals and companies who've got interesting things to say about that particular confluence of ideas, business and technology. But of course, technology and indeed the world of commerce spans out much further than those particular areas that we've been concentrating on at least to date in this series. Today we're talking about green matters, the ecology, and the way that we can build in sustainability into information technology. This is getting more and more important, of course, these days, as server farms spring up seemingly left, right and centre to power our insatiable desire, maybe, for streaming services and storage and the like. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Gunnar Menzel, who works at Cap Gemini and is their particular specialist and, indeed, a well-known speaker and all-round expert, I guess. On all things sustainability in tech. So, welcome to the podcast, Gunnar. First of all, it's a bit of tradition, really. I wonder if you could uh, introduce yourself and uh, give us a little potted autobiography, if you like.
1: Yeah, so I'm Gunnar Menzel. I have been living in the UK now since 1999. I'm actually calling from Manchester in the north of England. I joined Capture I in 2001 and I've been in the IT industry for over 30 years. And for the best part of the last 15 years, I've really been focusing on designing and operating large mission-critical systems across different sectors and different customers. So currently, I'm the CTIO and as the Chief Technology and Innovation Officer for Capgemini Europe North and Central. So this includes Germany, the Netherlands, UK, Ireland, and Scandinavia.
0: I guess first question, Gunnar, then is going to be, what can we do as individuals or consumers, or in your case, I guess, as people involved in making business technology decisions, what can we actually do in terms of decision making um, in order to promote uh, a more sustainable future?
1: First of all, I think you need to really recognize what is the current ICT footprint in terms of CO2. It's all very hard to kind of see what impact it can make if you don't understand or can't see really the the bigger picture. And a couple of numbers that really kind of resonated with me when I looked at researching and getting more acquainted with sustainability, Uh, and is actually now going back 10 years when I was working at the Environment Agency uh, as part of Capgemini. In 2018, before COVID, ICT accounted to 3% of the global CO2 emission. Now, 3% doesn't really sound much, but it's actually the same as global aviation fuel in 2018. So the same CO2 footprint that all planes are producing through burning fuel is ICT globally. So it's quite a significant amount. And if you were to put ICT into a country, it would be the third largest electricity consumer in the world. So one thing that you can actually do if you are, say, an architect or an engineer, if you are creating a solution, of course, my sphere of work is designing solutions and operating them one thing you can do is, is really make sure that you're taking sustainability as part of your non-functional characteristics or as part of your key criteria when you're designing a solution. And that can be some very simple measures that you can apply to help reducing CO2 from a solution. It doesn't need to be a very complex measure or a complex solution. There are some quite pragmatic things that you can do. So what are those uh, pragmatic
0: things? What are we actually talking about here? If we're dealing with, I don't know, HP, Lenovo, Dell, do these companies publish stats that we can look up, for instance, if we're sourcing servers or if we're locating a data center that we're going to use?
1: Yeah, spot on. So you know, vendors do submit and issue information on all their kits. So when you are procuring a server, you mentioned Dell, of course, others are available as well. But infrastructure providers or vendors do issue a very clear footprint for the devices. You can calculate what is kind of the CO2 footprint of a server over its lifetime. And, you know, when, you, when you're procuring something, making sure that, you know, it's been maybe manufactured and delivered in a sustainable way, you understand exactly the CO2 footprint of the server. And of course, you know, a server is just one example, it could be storage, it could be something else. So you have an awareness of, and that's almost kind of the first step, really, is having an awareness of, the the co2 footprint of a device that you are including in your solution that's kind of the first step the second is and this is kind of a key one really i mean we always talk about sustainability and we refer to co2 of course co2 is only one part of sustainability there are also metals and you know other elements within those devices that is harmful to the environment so you should also include those when you're making those considerations Of
0: course, it seems fairly easy, I suppose, or at least quantifiable, to work out things like carbon footprint on a per-server basis or even on a per-hard drive basis. I guess things get more difficult, though, don't they, if you're looking at clusters of compute and storage out there on a third-party cloud service like AWS, GCP, or even in your own private data centre. Are there any technologies out there that can help us estimate the kind of impact that we're making on the environment when we're using these remote services?
1: More and more. I think maybe a couple of years ago, it was a bit trickier to really kind of construct, say, a CO2 footprint definition for, you mentioned a cluster. So say, for instance, for a solution that has 4.9 availability that typically spreads to data centers and has a number of active components within the solution. So sometimes it used to be quite difficult to ascertain what is the footprint of, of those components. And not just because not each vendor would issue the CO two footprint of a particular device, but also the calculation would be quite tricky. Nowadays, you do have emulators, you do have tools uh, that you can use to construct the solution that you have created, and then you can model uh, the CO two footprint. The difficulty you have with modeling you have to anticipate workload because you're a lot doing operation of a server. For instance, the CO two footprint of a server is caused by for instance, the electricity it pulls or by the air conditioning unit you require to cool it down. So you need to calculate those elements over the lifetime of the service or over the three or four or five years. And then you attribute a certain payload or certain cost to that server. So you know what the CO2 or sustainability cost of that server is over its lifetime.
0: Yeah, you mentioned four nines, uh, five nines. These are reliability terms, really, aren't they? That um... People use to uh, state, for instance, that they've got failover for systems, so if something goes awry, another alternative springs up and takes its place. There is an argument, though, isn't there, for kind of scaling back that kind of provision that gives services that level of reliability,
1: yeah, I think the exactly this magic four nines nines or five nines, basically availability number. It's the duration of the server or the service that is not available over, over a year, for instance, a couple of hours or a couple of minutes. Of course, the smaller the number, the more trickier it becomes and the more devices you require, the more redundancies you build in. So for instance, for a solution that has 99.99 availability, you typically have you know standby systems for systems with five nines, so 99.999 availability you know there will be maybe a complete site disaster recovery site that will be there available to you if you need to and that was kind of a standard pattern that we had um, you know disaster recovery clustered solution dual data center live life scenarios it's been kind of hard-coded almost in our design blueprint patterns over the last 20 years It's a very standard way of designing mission-critical systems and now with sustainability becoming more and more as a, as a key entity within the environment, within our clients, within your creating your solutions, you know, there is a new space to ask the question, is this really needed? So do we really require five nines or 99.999 nine, 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 nine availability for the service? Or maybe we, can we find different ways of providing this availability uh, requirement back to the, to the business? Or maybe the business don't need really this type of av- availability. You know, it's quite often when you are meeting your stakeholders that, you know, first thing they will tell you is, you know, it needs to be always available, it needs to be fully performant, and, you know, it needs to respond within, like, uh, microseconds. But if you really drill down and really understand within the business context, what is really required is seldom really the case. So it's it's having this conversation with your stakeholders and really understand what is really needed versus what they wish for or what they, um, yeah you know, would, would like to see. Yes, conversation with stakeholders
0: is obviously, you know, absolutely essential. But I think there's, um, I don't know whether you'd agree with this, there's a certain lack of understanding about what's actually involved in cloud computing. I mean, we've talked about servers and hardware and hard drives, but also mentioning things like cooling and air conditioning and power draw and things like that. We need to make people more aware of these aspects, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's always very hard to make an impact on CO2 if you don't really understand or see the, the bigger picture. Another number that really kind of uh, resonated with me. There was a video, there was a first video that was issued on YouTube, I think it was 2017, and it hit 5 billion views in 2018. And that video, somebody calculated, created the same amount of electricity than 40,000 US households in the entire year. There's a lot of, plenty of unintended consequences within IT solutions, IT systems. And it's very difficult still today to really put your finger on what's your payload so what is your current charge you know how costly are you as a service in, in terms of co2 it's quite easy you're buying a car you know today what's the co2 emission of your car your vehicle you know what grams per mile or grams per kilometers you know the consumption is in terms of petrol you know exactly how efficient it is Yet we don't really have that for IT or I C T. It's very hard to put, you know, a payload or a label or a number on these servers. And until we are clear in terms of what, how costly these are, you know, it becomes more difficult, I guess, to having this conversation. And I think one thing I may add, you mentioned, you know, air conditioning units, and there's there's also, you know, water cooling, for instance, within those units. There are other secondary components that are required to to supporting these systems which themselves can create or have a sustainability impact. So you need to consider those as well.
0: Gunnar, do you think it's difficult sometimes, though, to get behind or even beyond, if you like, the marketing hyperbole, uh, the greenwashing sometimes that happens? If you take a company like Apple that wears very much its greenness on its sleeve, and yet it's deliberately pushing obsolescence in its hardware range, and you know this is fairly well accepted that this goes on. Are we kind of just casting about, hoping vaguely that companies will give us truthful messages about sustainability and about carbon footprint?
1: I think COVID has, has, has made a big impact here. And I think I'm not an economist, but um, I saw research material and paper being issued for the last half a year now, and have actually have been talking about this for a while, that we're shifting out of a very service-based economy into a purpose-based economy. Our research, we have a research institute in Capgemini called Capgemini Research Institute. We have done research where it's clear that customers are not just taking the value of a company or the, the value for money of the product into account when they're making decisions of what to buy. They want to know, and there's actually maturity of customers. I think to remember 61% of clients or customers we we surveyed stated that sustainability, environmental a purpose societal impact is a key decision uh, point for them when they're deciding which product to buy. So I think customers will vote with their feet. And I think they'll buy products and services that will have or make or reduce the CO2 footprint or the sustainability impact or be more sustainable. And I think, you know, companies, and you see this, you know, look what happened over the last year and a half alone. Compare that with, you know, maybe even five years ago. I think there's a huge shift currently happening in the market, in society as a whole realizing and really seeing, you know, that sustainability is a key entity, as a key element for us. And I think, you know, there may be come the time when, you know, it becomes more important than maybe, you know, desirability or quality. On certain areas, I think we're already there. Uh, On on others, maybe not so. But I certainly think that uh, we'll change and shift that quite quickly. It's my hope, at least, or my belief as well.
0: Okay, so I'm afraid we're rapidly running out of time, Gunnar, but um, let's imagine, um, if you will, I'm a procurement officer for a big corporation, got $100 bucks to spend on critical services uh, for the business for the next 10 years, something like that. Where would I go? What's the best way to get more information? What's the best way to get informed and factual uh, input into maybe getting a little tinge of green into my procurement policy for all things technology?
1: <laughs> Tinted green. I hope you painted completely green. So um <laughs> I, I think, you know, you have typically within large organizations they're maybe a bit focused around this, but you have architects, you have key designers, you have your solutionists. They're the ones who are constructing the solutions for you. You could be internal or could be external. Maybe you have somebody from Capture to helping you you know really being the first thing really like i mentioned to you before the first thing being aware of and really have you know sustainability next to value for money next to compliance next to availability or scalability or reliability you know all these illities or criterias that you have that you have them on on par level so you you see them at the same level so you're seeing i want to be sustainable but also want to deliver something that's available. So there's sometimes a conflict, of course, and sometimes it can be you have to make a decision which way you're going, but, uh, you know, making a conscious decision around these elements and really thinking about how do we best deliver this service or construct the service after procurement into something that is fully sustainable, that does not impact us negatively, uh, us as a corporate organization or us as society. I think that's a key next step in my view, and really being cognizant about and asking, you know, what's the footprint, or what is the impact, and how can we mitigate or reduce or eliminate completely the impact that these services will, will draw or could draw.
0: And I'm afraid the emergence there in the background of the of the old theme music tells us that um, it's time to round off. Um, I'll just finish off, I think, by saying Gunnar Mansell of Cap Gemini. Many thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're all out of time today, uh, at least for this podcast, and if you're pessimistic, uh, perhaps for the entire human race, but, um, well, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? uh, And on that happy and upbeat note, please join me next time on the Tech Means Business podcast.